Hey everyone, it's Dave. How you doing? Just some quick business before we get going here with the podcast. This is the last podcast of 2019. I guess this is the last podcast of the decade. And I'm definitely looking forward to 2020 with a lot of hope. I think there could be a lot of good things coming. But, you know, as we've seen the last few years, we don't really know how things are going to work out. (laughs) So... Hopefully, I'll be getting some more podcast episodes up here at Nobody's Knows, but who can be sure? Um, I've been doing a lot of podcasting this year, just not as much podcasting for my own network. Um, As you'll hear in today's episode, there's a new podcast called Cadence, One Step Beyond. It's the podcast for Aram Arslanian's company, Cadence Leadership and Communication, and I've been engineering that podcast, recording and editing them and getting them ready to go. So if you go to the page for this episode at nobodiesknows.com and check that out, there's links to that podcast. You can hear the stuff we've been doing. It's very cool. There's six episodes up from 2019, and there's going to be many more episodes coming in the next year. So you can check that out. You can see photos of Ram and me. There's links for things that we discuss in the podcast. All the usual stuff is on there. Um, It's part of the experience of the podcast that I intend for people to check out the page. So do that. And I'll pop back in at the end of the episode, but let's just get this thing going. Here we go. Okay, today we're going to do a check-in episode. We've got someone who has been on the podcast before who has not done a check-in episode yet, and that is going all the way back to 2015, all the way back to episode number 10, Aram Arslanian. He's our guest today. What's going on, buddy? What's up, my man? Uh, Dave, why was I episode 10? Because it's episode X. That's right. Yeah. I have endeavored to make the numbers of the episodes make some kind of sense. So, you know, 10, 24, 30. These have been, you know, Episodes with a point. I like it. Good. (laughs) So I went ahead last night and listened to some of that episode. And one of the things I really enjoyed about it is that all the way through that three hours that we recorded, we had Miss Michael and Jerome sitting with us. (laughs) Uh, We're not recording in the same space today. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, Michael Ann is in Europe currently. Mm -hmm. So she cannot sit in on this. Mm -hmm. We can't even get her to call in. So what I am going to do is isolate certain phrases and her laugh from episode 10. And at random points in this conversation, I will be editing that in as if she is sitting here with us. So I want you to just think of Michael Ann being here in spirit Mm -hmm. and I'll make that happen after the fact. I wish we had uh, effects buttons that we could just be pressing right now. You mean like that one? Yeah, that that <laughs> that was very well done. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't actually understand all the effects buttons on this machine yet, so I haven't been using them. Okay, so I don't know, Michael, what do you think of that? I don't like it. Sorry. <laughs> we'll see how that shit works. It could be amazing. Uh, we'll see gets, how it plays. She gets back on to be like, oh, by the way, you were in the new podcast <laughs> with the Rab. Would you like to hear yourself? <laughs> That's where we're at in society right now. We don't even need the person to be involved. We can just, that's what's changed since 2015. We don't even need people. It's really kind of a podcast deep fake when you think about it. Finally. You like to do that sort of thing. All right. So we're going to go over some of the things that have been going on in your life, but um, I wanted to bring up kind of coming in right off the bat. You told me something interesting today, which is you've been listening to a lot of a certain band lately, and they've been really kind of influencing you in your current day to day. So what band was that? This is amazing that you're bringing this up because I was just thinking about them earlier. Uh, I have been totally into Instead lately. Instead. Yeah. And, you know, Instead. So I played in this band called The First Step. Mm Mm-hmm. And instead was like the main inspiration for the first step. And so everyone that was in the band was like huge instead fan. And I was always like pretty lukewarm on them. I really liked the will make the difference seven inch. And, and when I say I liked it, I was like, yeah, I like it. It's good. I, you know, I own a copy. I know so many people that that record just blew them away. Yeah. Okay. Introduced a lot of people to vegetarianism, which is incredibly powerful. That song, Feel Their Pain, 
is like you think of you, you know, youth of today, you think of no more, but I'm going to tell you, feel their pain is like an unreal vegetarian song, but let me just step back. Okay. I never liked bonds of friendship. I always thought it was like, eh, it's okay. And then, um, what we believe the epitaph record, I just didn't pay attention to it because it was on epitaph and I thought it was weird. I don't know what I was thinking for whatever reason instead did not connect with me until I was a 44 year old man, which is some ass backward reason. You're literally laughing as I'm saying this, <laughs> like, I don't know what it is. Like maybe I finally gotten to a point where I can like, I've evolved or devolved depending on how you view it, where like I look at an evolution where it's like, this is the darkest period that I have been as a human being, where it's like the political scene is just Donald Trump is the president of America. Like it's, it's a crazy time. And everyday conversations are so like dark and negative and the news is so sad and you don't want to turn away. You want to be, you want to bear witness and you also want to be part of the change. At the end of the day, every single day, I have been emotionally exhausted because my job is also like really intense. And there's just something, I don't know how I ended up, but like instead struck with me and I can't stop listening. And now I don't want to stop. I'm not trying to stop. I want more. I listen to instead every single day. And I will say the um, will make the difference seven inch is iconic at this point for me. I think that's just one of the best hardcore records ever, but I love both LPs now too. Yeah, we listened to a ton of the first LP of, of Bonds of Friendship in my skateboard shop when we were kids. And so I spent a lot of time with Instead early on, before the 7-inch. Mm -hmm. um, so I want to <laughs> give a shout out to those dudes from Instead. Uh, they're super cool, really, really good guys. Um, they took Betrayed out for some shows and they're awesome. They're just totally cool dudes. And when we played with them, it was awesome. It was cool. And they were great. And a lot of those guys are, well, I, they're all still about what they're about. And most of them are still straight edge and, and vegetarian, um, which uh, huge respect. That's huge. I also love just how they've done their band, you know, like they could do a reunion and then walk away from it. Like the reunion doesn't have to be, oh, now we do this. Like we play 20 shows a year or something. They're like, oh no, we, we did it. We went to Europe. We didn't get a chance to do it. And it's not a good or a bad reunion. It's like people are going to do what they want to do. It's your band. Just the deepest level of respect to instead start to finish, including your reunions. You guys are sick and I love you guys as people and as a band. Michael Ann, what do you think of instead? It's just spoke to me. Oh, I, I didn't have any idea you were into them. Strangely, yes. Michael Ann, would you say that's what you believe? <laughs> right. No, I think that's really cool. I love that we have all of this history with all of these different bands and you can just forget that you loved a band and they just come back and you realize while you're listening to old music or you get something stuck in your head, this is what happens to me. I get a, a phrase stuck in my head that's from lyrics and I can't remember which band it is. Mm, yeah. So sometimes what I'll do is I'll go type that into a search engine, try not to just say that, <laughs> and uh, in quotes, and you know, there's all these lyric sites, so the lyrics will pop up and then I'll remember and then that will send me down a rabbit hole of that band and other bands like it. It's such a great way to, to reconnect with stuff, you know? Oh man, totally. Um, there's something that it, like, since we're talking about this and we're talking about instead, you know, when people are like, oh, youth crew hardcore, it's so corny. And so like, you know, boy scout and it's so positive. Yeah. I've been hearing those things for, a uh, uh, for a while yeah. in my life. <laughs> at least, at least a couple times, a couple times. Yeah. How much more relevant is that stuff now than ever? Like I, I find it, it's just such a dark time that we're in really like bad stuff is happening and it's yeah. ta it takes a lot of courage just to immerse yourself and not hide from it. Why wouldn't I want to listen to bands with a positive message? And I'm not like doing this. I'm not like, you know, honking off on like this whole, like, you know, PMA, this or that. I just want to be like really fundamental, like uniform choice, unity, youth of today, bold, wide awake instead. Like these are bands that have a message that actually I can relate to as being like, yeah, that's actually a, like a good way of thinking about things. Yeah. But it's funny because it's like people are like, not people, but there's an opinion that stuff's corny. Sure. I would argue 
that it's probably some of the most pragmatic thinking for a troubled world that's much more centered on like, hey, day-to-day thinking, which it, this is why I've always been more drawn to that kind of stuff because I'm more solution-focused or uh, I guess hopeful thinking focus, but that that's really stood out to me a lot lately is listening to that kind of music. I also listen to like death metal and Slayer. So. Well, well, sure, but the stuff you're talking about specifically is almost like a gateway drug. Hmm. Like you get in with those simple things, you get, you know, whatever band touches you, maybe you're just, even if you're just into the look, like this whole idea that like, oh, they're more about a, a, a costume, mm-hmm. they're more about an outfit mm-hmm. than a um, or uniform, mm. right? But see, though, Usually you then go further, right? You get to seven seconds or you get to whatever. You get into more political stuff. Yeah. Back in our day, we, 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 loved, we loved Downcast and then we're reading the inserts. Another thing you and I talked about earlier, mm. how many ideas did I get from that early abolition yeah. stuff? You know, totally. So or just even if I didn't agree with them, they challenged my thinking and caused me to come to understandings about what I did believe and agree with. Yeah. So the thing is, these are a gateway. But then when I go through the gateway, like I don't then start talking trash about the fact that the door was open. Look Mm. back at the door and say, fuck you, door. No, the door was awesome. The (laughs) door was great. Totally, man. Thank God for the door. Yes. In fact, maybe I want to go look at the door. Like maybe I like, you know, you use the door multiple times, whatever the deal is. Mm -hmm. And when things recede, you're talking about how bad things are right now. In some ways, the wave of progress crashed and rolled back. And mm. so those simple tentpole messages need to still be there Yes, to say, center yourself around this and go again. This is what I like about it. It's just, it's really simple. Also, so we like the door. We can say we like the door. Yeah. We think the door is great. Do we find it adorable? This <laughs> happens at least once every time we see you. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if Michael Ann's going to be able to handle much more of this. <laughs> Okay, dude, I, this really, uh, this friend of mine, Jeff Sims, shout out to Jeff. Um, Jeff said something recently. We were chatting back and forth, a bunch of us on this uh, group chat, and we were talking about a whole bunch of stuff like reunion bands and this and that and what's cool, what's corny, like kind of like people who are really into these kind of very simple bands that have these seemingly very simple messages, which I actually think are pretty profound. Like going back to instead, like we'll make the difference. There's stuff on there that's actually really profound that, yeah, maybe it was written by a 20 year old person, but it's like really deep, at least for me. So we're going back and forth. And when you said, oh, you know, people can say it's all just about the fashion and having an X watch and having a certain look. Yeah, it can be both. You can have people that really truly believe these things and who are totally part of a scene and they want to fit in and they're doing something that's popular and people can be both. And what, and basically what Jeff's point was, Hey man, I'm like a grown adult at this point. Like, you know, we have kids, we have families, we have careers. We're a composite of both incredible things, totally genuine and ter- terrible and phony and inauthentic. We're, we're all parts of this. I would rather someone see the best in me. So if I want people to see the best in me, I have to make the effort to see the best in other people. So yeah, I could look at those bands and be like, it was a time, it was a space. It was an era where being straight edge and vegetarian and positive and all that stuff, that was cool. So it was easier to do. So yeah, there was a fashion element of it. And it doesn't mean that makes their message less. If anything, I want to see the best in those people. And as they're playing in bands now, I want to see the best in them now. So do I think it's sick that Youth of Today are doing a bunch of reunions? Yeah, with that in mind, I think it's awesome because I think Youth of Today's message is more important now than ever. So that's, it was really great thinking from Jeff because it really pushed me to kind of examine where I was coming from with my thinking because I was being a little negative on this chat and mm-hmm. uh, it really pushed me to think like, actually, yeah, I think it's sick that all these things are happening. I'd rather have more positive messages than less. I agree. I mean, you hit on like one of my main themes, which is what you said right there, whether it came from Jeff or whether it was your version of what he said, mm-hmm. is that it's not that we're one of these things or the other. Mm-hmm. We're a combination. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's not no, but it's yes. And yeah. it's like improv comedy has the answer to life in it. Yeah. And that's accept the thing and then add to it. Yeah. It's so many arguments that people have right now are 
Um, and I'm not talking about the big left versus right, like racism versus like, you know, equality. I'm talking about things like someone's mad about something someone did. And so they say, therefore, all the bad things about that person or all the bad things about that situation or all the bad things about the influence of that movie, rather than saying, hey, we can consider this negative aspect mm-hmm. and we can add that to our understanding of the good things about this thing and understand that everything's complicated. Mm-hmm. And so it's just real kind of like I try to just find this Zen middle ground on things, and try, you know, whenever possible, except for when it's a completely unacceptable situation. Yeah. I try to find a balance in these ideas. Okay, man. So that's so that's instead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, what else? So so you said you've been you told me you've been listening to instead and you've been listening to a lot of metal. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not I, I don't hate it. It's not my normal thing that I listen to. I usually tend to trend in, you know, wimpier directions with mm-hmm. the music that I'm listening to. Mm-hmm. But uh, real quick for the people who will appreciate it. Tell me about the metal stuff you've been listening to. Well, so I just want to start by saying that my metal and thrash kind of stuff, it's like, it's really stuck in kind of like more of like a thrash metal kind of thing. So like on constant rotation would be stuff like Slayer and, you know, I, I like things that are along those lines. Um, I'm going to tell you something that I've really gotten into lately. Mm. The new Slipknot record is really good and I can't stop listening to it. Would you say that? That's something that people say every time there's a new Slipknot record. I think it is. And I want to be clear. Like, I just like Slipknot. I don't know how many Slipknot records there are, but I definitely remember being part Uh of the conversation with the first record. Yeah. Because it was good. Yeah. I mean, yes, I I thought it was good. I owned it. I I saw them. Well, no, I I had a chance to see them at OzFest. I didn't know yet that I would want to. Yeah. I was there to see... Black Sabbath mm. and Primus. Yeah. <laughs> and Slayer played and they were not good. Mm. There were also, I was also there alone, uh, no other hardcore dudes. And there was a literal Nazi skinhead with a giant swastika tattoo oh. in the pit. I've talked about this on yes. this uh, yeah. before. And I oh. wasn't going to fight that person alone, but really wished that my crew just like walked down at that point. Cause it's you, like, you wish the edge of quarrel well, happened. Everybody else was just leaving this person alone. Yeah. Like, yeah. because that's what happens. Yeah. The masses just go, mm, it's not my thing. Uh-huh. No, I'm sorry. You need to smash that. That imagery needs to be smashed. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so, uh, but then the next record came out. What was the next record after the first Slipknot record? It had the name of a state. Is it Iowa? Iowa. And I remember Mr. Bill Baker championed that one a lot. And he played it for me and I went, you're right. Okay. But the way, the way you just reacted, that's it. Like, I don't know. Okay. You remember last time we talked about like, don't be a poser, right? And it's like, it's poserish to not just say what you like because you're trying not like hide something. Their imagery is awful. Forces this conversation. No, I know. I don't want to be into a band where a bunch of people wear like goofy masks and jump around. These records are really good though. What if there were a really, really good juggalo band? I don't know what to tell you, man. Like, here's the thing. Is it Slipknot? No, they're not a juggalo band. Why? Wait, you're putting me in a position where I'm starting to defend this band, and I'm not going to do that either. <laughs> I, so I'm not for nor against them, and I, I'm right. not going to be their spokesperson. I don't know anything about although this. Although I appreciate the move that you just tried to pull on me. That's not going to happen. <laughs> I'm just going to say this. Despite my genuinely, or sorry, despite my generally good taste, I really like every Slipknot record, period. So I'm actually... I have no idea how many Slipknot records there are after that second record or if they're any good. I have no idea. They're really good. Okay. So they just kept making the same music and doing and, what they did. Yeah. And you know what? I believe all of their records are celebrated. Now let's, they're, let's, they're good records. let's revisit something here because you felt it was personal and it's not. Would a really good Juggalo band be Slipknot? I don't know. I'm not going to entertain this conversation. You don't even want to go there. No, right? I, I don't. I don't want to do that. But that's the problem because mm-hmm. they seem like they'd be a juggalo band by visuals. I'm not. I, I, I can't speak for that world. Around, do you know how magnets work? <sighs> <laughs> okay, so this is a check-in episode. So we're going to check in with what you've been doing since the last time we had you on the show. Mm-hmm. And by we, I mean me, Michael Ann and I. Mm-hmm. Um, you have 
started a business mm-hmm. and started a new band. Mm-hmm. Both of which are important influences in your life at the moment. Which one do you want to talk about first? I want to talk about my daughter first. Oh, hey, well done, by the way. Let's just say there's two minor influences in your life and one really major influence in your life (laughs) right now that is important. And I wanted to ask you um, two questions that I think uh, it's the same question, but I think you could answer it differently depending on, on, on how it's asked. And it's what has changed about the way you view life uh, from having a a child Mm. and what has changed about the way you view life from having a daughter? Mm. Okay. Those are both good. Um, So let me just say, so uh, my daughter at the time of this recording is she's 17 months and she's the coolest. Like I I always wanted to have a kid and um, you know, I've been very career minded. I've been very, you know, before I've been playing in bands and I've always, what people may or may not know about me is even though I was playing with all these bands all this time, I maintained a professional career. So for some people, not for everyone, but I'd say for a lot of like people who are in like quote unquote bands and they're touring a lot, they probably start their professional career afterwards, but I had mine the whole time. So I'm at like kind of like the third stage of my career at this point. And, um, because of the way that I've lived life and the pace that I've lived it, I've never been able to really have a kid before, like have that time. And, uh, you know, we, we had our, our daughter 17 months ago and she's just like, it's all the things that people say. Like, you're like, I can't, I can't imagine loving someone as much as I love this child. It's unbelievable. So the way it's changed my life, um, I think of everything in the long term now. And of course I thought of things in the long term before it's like, you think about life, but now I think about my life all the way up into the end of what my life may be and all the things I need to do to make sure that my daughter has the best life possible all the way I need to set up my life. But then not only do I think of the end of my life up into the end of my life, I also think into her life and like her going to school and her having a partner and her whatever choices. It's like my scope of how many years ahead has now extended by a whole other lifetime because I want to think of every single thing I do has got to be about creating some kind of better path for her forward. And I know it might sound strange to think everything I do, but I mean, even just like self-care, like, you know, like feeling good about life and taking care of myself physically. And so not just like saving money, but like just being happy. And uh, I want to move past just simple ideas like being a good person, like be the person your kid wishes you'd be like, okay, that's fine. But I'm a human being like I'm thinking about like I think about her in everything I do and I've never experienced that before. So that's changed the way I think around being a, having a daughter. Um, so one of the things that I, you know, if you go across like interviews with me or zines or anything like that, I've always been very consistent on my stance of how I believe society and then men and people in the hardcore scene and all that, the kinds of thinking and the ways that we need to adjust around the way that society interacts with women. And I just want to be clear that like having a daughter, while it hasn't changed that, it has really made me think heavily about how much more I can do and like how I can be more in the game, how I can push myself more and the kinds of conversations um, because I want her to grow up in a fundamentally better world than, than people have. That is awesome. And I've, I have a number of friends who have had children recently, all, a bunch of you, a bunch of my close friends all decided to, to have daughters all mm-hmm. within a few months of each other. Uh-huh. So I'm getting to see this kind of new way of looking at the world through the eyes of basically like three of my closest friends. And uh, yeah, it's been, it's been inspiring. It's been good seeing you all rise to the occasion. It's cool, man. Like I'm a legit old dad you know, I'm 45 and you know, we, uh, we had our daughter last year, so it was 44 at the time, but I'm an old dad. And uh, I guess there's something cool about that. Like it's neat to be in your forties and having a kid and really thinking like, I'm just in a different place in my career, my life. I'm a lot more settled in myself than I would have been if I had a kid 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a neat, neat experience for sure. And she's like, yeah, she's awesome. Really cool. Awesome. What's her name? Uh, Leora. And I also say like having a kid changes the way that you think about like peer poop. Like, (laughs) really? Well, yeah, because like when you're young, you're like, ew, peer poo, like gross. And then let's say you have a dog, then you're used to picking up a dog's poop or cleaning up their pee. But if you have a kid, 
that kid is going to like pee or poo on you. And it's not going to be a thing that happened that one time. It's like, oh yeah, this happens. Yeah. And you know, you're dealing with like poop every day and pee every day and you're going to be for a long time. And in many ways it desensitizes you to how gross it is. So it's like my thought on pee and poo is just like, whatever <laughs> at this point where it's like maybe five years ago, but like, ew, pee. I mean, it's probably a more reasonable since everyone has to deal with it. Totally. What probably was, makes you more reasonable, but it's a good March because let's say you, so you start without, like I didn't grow up with pets. So mm-hmm. like, no pets, like pee or poo. It's like, oh my God. It's like the main offender. Like, get that. How dare you get that away? And then you get some dogs and you're like, ew, gross. Like blue peed on the floor, pooed on the floor. And it's like, ew, but it's pretty infrequent. And you have a kid and you're like, meh, pee, <laughs> like, whatever. Okay. So that's the uh, family life mm-hmm. that we've gone over real quick here. Why don't you tell me what's going on in your professional life? All right. So last time I talked to you, I was a vice president of a company that I'd worked in for about four and a half years. And I worked for it for about another year. And then I started my own. So I started my own company called Cadence Leadership and Communication. And the reason I started it was the company I worked for before is one of those things where you're just like, yeah, it's fine. But you've known me for a long time. Nothing with me is like, me. it's fine. No, I've, I've seen you scrutinize record covers that anyone else I've ever met would say were perfect mm-hmm. and you've sent them back to be reprinted. Yeah, because I I firmly believe if you're going to do something, you do it the best you possibly can. If you're going to position yourself as being a steward of people's careers, that you're there to help people become better leaders and you're there to help companies be good companies, then do that thing. And that's what I do. So I started a company, I started it just by myself. So I I did something that I think a lot of people would consider to be a huge mistake. I was partner track, um, you know, essentially if I just sat in this role and kept my mouth shut, um, I would be a partner in that company now and I'd be making a lot of money. Um, I don't do things for money. That's not why I do things. It's not what makes me tick. I do things because I care about making things better. So I started my own company and I did it with just me and a notebook and a cell phone. And I, within the first year, I had hired two people. By the second year, I'd hired a few more. We're just crossing year three. Um, I've got 11 people that work all across North America. We work in like across industries and tons of different industries. And we're making like an actual difference. And one of the things I want to say here is risk taking is essential for good careers. Don't worry about the money. And I know it's like, oh, well, you know, I have to live. The money will come. I promise you the money will come. Take smart risks. Take a leap. Don't worry if you can't see the ground. If you really have the stuff and you're really good at what you do, the money is going to be there. Focus on doing good work for the right reasons, and that's how you get there. So what we do, we do uh, leadership coaching and communication skill set building. So I'd break it down to skill, mindset and skill set. We work with people about who they are as leaders, how they lead, how they connect to people, how they understand people. So are you someone who can create the right kind of environment on your team where all sorts of people are welcome? Can you lead those people effectively? Can you inspire them to do really good work and and work collaboratively and have that right kind of setting? So that's what we do from a mindset perspective. And that's about as much as not just understanding other people, but also understanding yourself. And it's a real interesting place to play in that space because it's equal parts psychology as it is just street smarts. Uh, Then the other side, which is the skill set, it's about teaching people the actual skills of leadership, actual communication skills like how to write a great email, how to how to have a difficult conversation. And uh, it's awesome, man. My the, the company is filled with incredible people. Almost everyone that works there is from the punk scene. There's two people who aren't from the punk scene. They're they're the newest people. And they're kind of laughing because like, you know, we were all clearly from a similar scene. Uh, there's like four people that are straight edge. There's I think like five of us are vegans. Most of us are vegetarians. And it's not what you need to do to be a part of the company, but it's certainly part of the company. Right. I mean, you're, you're bringing people on who you know and understand, and you know that they'll fit the culture mm-hmm. of the, the company that you're building. Yeah. One of the funniest things that anyone ever said to me was our friend Bob, 
uh, Bob Swift, who we love. Um, he was like, you know, Ram, somehow every Saturday I find myself at Larson's house packing records for you for free. So I'm essentially working for you for free. And every Saturday I'm excited to do it and I can't wait to do it. And every Sunday I'm like, I just like put in eight hours working for that guy. How did that happen? This was uh, React Records days. This is <laughs> a few years back. Totally. But yeah, no, a lot of us did. Yeah, but the well, whole... Now, do you realize some of those work parties also happened when you weren't even there? I know. And we'd be looking at each other like, yep, just doing Ram's work. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the idea. And, and like, I want to be clear. <laughs> Something that I am good at is bringing people together for a purpose. And... I'm not going to sit on the sidelines in my life. If you don't want to do that, then don't do that. But if you do it, then do it. And that's what I do. I bring people together for a purpose and create things. And those things are typically cool things that help other people. And so when Bob's saying that, he was saying it as a joke, but also like a little bit like, oh, damn, how do you do that? You do that because I believe in things. Like I really believe. I believed in React Records when well, I was yeah. doing it. I believe in all of the bands that, that we played in. Like I believe in that stuff. And if you believe, other people are going to believe. And none of us were going to be there helping you with any of that stuff if we didn't believe in what you're doing. Totally. This isn't the same thing as we were working an assembly line <laughs> making widgets for your corporation. Totally. We were folding up essays about straight edge or about issues within yeah. hardcore and punk totally. rock so that they could be, so that every record that you sent out would have this message included. Totally. Like we were doing things that, and it's not like you got rich on the back end of it. No. It was like, you know, it's a, it's a punk rock record label. It's just the stuff that people wanted to do. So it's certainly none of your team members now are just coming over on a Saturday and working for you for free. Yeah. To be part of your thing. But it's the same. You, I'm assuming you've taken some of the, that same spirit and energy mm -hmm. and put it into the. Totally. And if there's a piece of advice I have for anyone, listen, like when you're someone like me, you have a real choice. You can be someone who tries to manage it and keep everyone happy. And you are going to find yourself in a never ending spiral of chaos because if you're a big personality, people are going to like you or they're not. And if you if you get too caught up in that, then you're screwed. One of the things, and I'd say especially since we last uh, did this one that I've really come to embrace is like, man, I'm just who I am. And what I do is I bring people together to get things done. And I believe in those things. So when I was a therapist, I believed in really working in the community and creating real help. And we did that. And I was very focused on it. And I, I believe we did some very good work. When I was playing in punk bands and doing the record label, I believed in those things. And we did some cool stuff. And now in my job, I believe in what we're doing and we do some cool stuff. And I still believe in all three. The reason I split it up like that is I'm also not trying to drink from the same well that I've been drinking from all my life. I believe in progress. You have to progress as a person. So I could still play in a punk band. I could still put out records, but that's not the only thing I do. I want to keep growing and pushing myself as a person. And that's like, again, part of that progress. So again, I'm going to say to anyone like, if you are a person that is drawn to being like that, then just be it. Just do it. Don't worry about managing what other people think because if you do it, and I've done that in my life a lot, I've really found my stride within the past few years, which is like, just do you. Like, do your thing and make a difference the way that you can. Awesome. Um, well, I know from watching you go through all of this stuff, uh, I know you practice what you preach here. This is definitely, this is definitely you. Mm -hmm. um, and it's good. I mean, People need to hear it, I think. Like, I, sometimes I look at the stuff that you do and I think, why did he even think he could do that? And then you, <laughs> and then you get it done and I'm like, well, because he's a ram. <laughs> like, he's just, of course it worked. Like, because I don't know any other truly relentless madman that goes down the, you know, the same the same way you do. That goes down the avenues the way you do. Thank you. <laughs> which is a Thank you. which is a huge compliment. I'll I mean, take it as one. Yeah, that's how it should be. Um, well, dude, because I'm not like I don't know how to explain it. Like um, one of the things I've struggled with a lot in my life is trying to keep. I, I want people around. I've always wanted people to like me, really like me. Like it, and it's just like you know, growing up, all the stuff we talked about last time. Like feeling really insecure, really lost, really alone. And I'd say like one of the biggest gifts that I've kind of started getting better at now is just being like, hey, it's all cool. 
like you're in, you're out, whatever it is. I can't manage stuff for people anymore. I'm not going to manage any of these things. And I'm even going to think about not managing it. I'm just going to do the thing that I want to do. Trying to do the thing that you want to do and keep everyone happy, that's like a life killer. Doing the thing you want to do because you believe it's the right thing, that's a life maker. And I am really interested in doing the things that I want to do because I believe they're the right thing and I genuinely believe they're helpful to people. And with that, it's like, man, if you're not in, don't, don't be in. And that's okay. So one of the things you've done in conjunction with your business is you've just started a podcast. Yeah, totally. And do you see that as an extension? Like on the outside, looking in at it, it wouldn't like it's not a commercial venture to do the podcast. It doesn't have advertising. No. And you're not necessarily it's not like you're teaching the things that your company does. Mm -mm. You are talking around issues that can affect people who are in the positions of the people that you help. Yeah. Do you think that's a a good way to describe what your podcast is? Mm -hmm. It's called One Step Beyond. Yeah. And I'm going to go ahead and there's going to be links to that in the page for this podcast. I think people should check it out because there's some very, very cool things. And um, it's a different kind of podcast than this. It's not a social podcast, but it, it has a lot of issues. Each one is different. So you could see if any of those issues seem to relate to something in your life, mm-hmm. but you could also pick any of them at random and hear advice that you didn't know was going to be relevant to some part of your life. Oh, that's awesome, man. Thank you. You bet. So I just wanted to ask, how has that experience been being a podcast host? It's awesome. So I don't, like, it's, it's weird because there's days where I'm like, oh, that's it. I totally got it. And then I listen back. I'm like, oh, what the hell was I thinking? <laughs> and there's other days where I'm like, yeah, that sucked. And then I was like, oh, that was so, that was awesome. Um, so being the host, I'm a little up and down on, but the subjects are what I'm super into. So like, I like to think of it as imagine if you had a boss that you really didn't like, you're like, oh, that person's terrible. This podcast is for them. It's for the boss you don't like. It's for the boss you like or the boss that you hope more for or the boss that you hope to have someday who's going to be that person who really makes a difference for you. It, this podcast is intended to push people's thinking. So, like, for example, we just did one on addiction. There are people right now who are addicts. They live with addiction and they're working in the workplace and their boss does not understand what to do. Right now, their boss does not know what to do with someone who's got an issue with addiction. I want the person who's an addict and their boss to listen to this. There's one on people who have experienced trauma returning to the workplace. Mm -hmm. In those cases, I want the person who's experienced that trauma to know that their boss has listened to this and they're gonna have some kind of, um, it's gonna help them in their approach to working with people. So the idea is to take really hard topics, break them open and try and create this learning where people can apply it to their leadership and to their work experience. And again, like I wasn't going to do a podcast that was like, I don't know, like some corny ass thing. I wanted to do something that was like meaningful to people. And because I am able to play in that place because I have a background as a therapist, I can have these conversations. And I've been like, I am a guy who runs a business, like a real business. And so I don't want to sit on the sidelines and just like, Shout out a bunch of slogans because I played in punk bands. I'm in the mix and I'm going to do stuff. So I'm going to have the real conversations. Whether I'm right or I'm wrong about these things, time's going to tell, but I'm not going to sit on the sidelines. And that's why I did the podcast. And it's cool. I've been really enjoying it. It's it's challenging though, because there's definitely times where I'm like, what the hell am I talking about? But I believe it's pretty good. I feel like the podcast is is the essay in the record. Yeah, man. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that. Your, your yeah. business puts out a product Yeah, and it is not enough for you yeah. to have just a product. You need to add something that can affect change. Dude. Okay. Yes. So can I tell you about the essay? So, and for anyone who didn't know this, I used to run a record label called react records and we used to put essays out in all of all of the records. And at one point the band started pushing back. And I remember this one band that wanted to do a record. They're like, could we do a, an essay on something dark? It's like, yo, man, I'm not trying to push your aesthetic. Like, cool. Yeah, like, cool, you're trying to be like, you want to have this aesthetic. No, we can't because that's not what this record label's about. And then I was getting some pushback. It's like, oh, these were a little corny. It's not what we want to do. 
I'm going to tell you that's around the time I became disinterested in doing React. Because doing a record on the record label that I was running is not doing a record on someone else's record label where they're just pushing out a product. Yeah. And not good or bad. Like, I, you know, I'm not going to take anyone from anyone else's record label. Like, record labels are cool. Doing a record with me means the creative process does not begin and end with you. I am going to be part of that creative process because part of the record label is my voice. So <laughs> when Ben started like having some issues with that, it's like you're probably on the wrong record label then. And that's cool. Like go be on another record label. I don't want to just put a product out because I wasn't doing the record label as a business to like live off of. I was doing it as an expression of I care about these bands. I think they're saying something important and I have something important to say or because I didn't, for just for reference, I didn't write the essays. Other people right. wrote the essays. We'd get like guest uh, guest writers yeah. for each one. I don't believe, for at least for me, my punk experience has never been passive. It's always been active. And again, right, wrong, or indifferent, whatever your reaction to that stuff is, the storybook is not going to be that I entered into this scene and entered in as like some passive participant who was just like cool with whatever. I always felt it was important to talk about things that I believed in. And I'm not saying those things were perfectly articulated. And have there been times where I have been sanctimonious about the, about my approaches? Absolutely. And there's been times where I've like had to really eat shit and be humbled and like have reality put in my face and he had to learn and grow from it. I'm a better person for having done it. I'm going to say I don't play on the sidelines and that's what my business today is not playing on the sidelines. It's about creating real change in a place where I think is ripe for it, which is the corporate world. And so you're totally right. The podcast is 100% the essay inside of the, inside of the record, like for sure. And that's how I think it's all about how do we push this further? Yeah. Michael, and what did you, uh, what did you think about the essays? It does not seem strange to me, but apparently that's strange. Um, yeah, no, I do. I, I, I agree. <laughs> you would think I would love it though. All right. So, uh, so let's move on to, um, I think the other major factor in your life right now, uh -huh. which is apparently it wasn't enough for you to have a daughter and start an awesome business and a podcast because you're also doing a band. <laughs> yeah. I mean, imagine that you yeah. and a band. I know. Tell me about your current band. Uh, so I am singing in a band called change. And we are a straight edge band and a vegetarian band. Well, I don't know. We're vegan. Yeah, I yeah. Guess. No, those lyrics are not vegetarian. Yeah. They're vegan. Yeah, we're, we're vegan. But like, I don't, I don't want the connotation there. Like we're a straight edge band. The people who recorded on the record, most of us are vegan. Oh, and, sure. Oh, and, 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 not, and some of us came up to, to sing backups on it. Yeah. And you gave us the lines we were supposed to sing. And a right. couple of us looked at each other and said, Can, is it all right for me to say this? Yes, because if I'm going to use a TFS reference, even if someone doesn't come from the same place as being vegetarian or, or vegan, we set the conditions where people can at least consider it because we're being open with them and welcoming. Well, certainly every one of us, at least that I came up with, supported that, mm -hmm, supported totally. that idea, mm -hmm. um, the idea of supporting you and what you were doing. Awesome. Thank so, you. So um, it was a lot of fun. We had a we had a great, uh, it was cool. great sing along day. None yeah. of us had any idea what we were getting into. Um, cause none of you had heard, unlike most bands who hadn't seen the band live, you hadn't heard the demo. You went in blind, blind to sing backups on 13 songs. Yes. And then you were saying things like, here comes the reggae one. <laughs> <laughs> Wait till the record comes out. <laughs> and, and in the studio with, headphones on in front of microphones with a crowd of people, we all went, oh, shit, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, there's some there's some stuff going on there. Yeah. There's some fantastic uh, stuff that, that reminds me of a period of time in the early 90s where people were getting just a little experimental. Yeah, okay, like just and just to break it down for audience, like straight up, this is a straight up hardcore record. It's a phenomenal record. Thank you. It's, Thank you. it's, yeah. I'm, I'm real psyched. I, I am a firm, I know you're supposed to say this, but like, I'm not like a musician, so I don't need to say this. I'll say like, just frankly, I firmly believe it's the best record I've ever done. It's more in the pocket of what I, well, it's certainly what I want to do now, which is straight up hardcore. It's 
real aggressive, but it's also super musical. The songs, I spent a lot of time writing these songs and it wasn't like a solo process. So it's 13 songs. I wrote 12 of them. And when I say I wrote what it is, I'd write the song, but then I'd bring it to the band. And it was uh, me, Dave Mitchell, Alex and Carl. And we would break the song down, rewrite it and rewrite it again and rewrite it again. So it's like, yeah, I, I wrote like quote unquote wrote the songs, but without those guys, it wouldn't have gotten here because we had to like deconstruct it and make them cool. But then I wrote the lyrics and then I wrote the lyrics again and wrote the lyrics again. So I have three different sets of lyrics for each song. I recorded the lyric, the vocals on the record twice, <laughs> like all the way through twice. Um, so it was a process and I'd say it's just like, it's cool. I'll be completely honest. Mm. You talked to me about this record for a long time. Mm -hmm. And there was a place where it crossed in my mind prior to my hearing it, where in my mind it crossed over to, oh, no, a Ram's at the stage where he's like one of these like musicians who now can now spend as much time in the studio as they want. (laughs) They're writing their record for... They're writing the record for two years or it's an author who spent way too long. And then you find out the book is like 100,000 pages too long. And like, what was that movie, Wonder Boys, where they said you've described the genealogy of the horses? Like, like you know, it's like one of those things where I'm like, this is this can't be good. Yeah. Like, this can't be good. And I was completely wrong because your type of approach, actually, it seemed these things benefited from it. Yeah, they're they're they don't feel overproduced. They don't feel forced in any way. It feels like the hardcore record I want. Right on, man. Thank you. I I really appreciate that. And like just the method on this is like I would be sitting in this like really intense meeting, let's say with like a CEO uh, of this company and like of like some big billion dollar company, and I'd be listening to what this person was saying, and then out of nowhere I'd be like, oh that's the change I need to make in this song. And like literally like making notes in my book and then moving onto a different page and being like, wow, I do this four times in the song. So it, it really like the focus on writing this record was intense, intense, intense. And I didn't put down one thing on this record that I'm not like everything that's on the record. I'm like, yep, that's cool. Like I could have done it. I could have done it this way or that way, but I can say that I've never had a record where at the end I was like, yeah, I actually feel really good about every single thing on this record. And again, yeah, I'm sure it could be better. I mean, you know, it's, it could be this or that, but it's the best that I could do at this stage of my life, the amount of time that I have to play in a band. And, I, and I'm real happy with it. One of the funny things, though, is so if that was your experience as a guy just hearing me talk about it, imagine like the guys who played on the record. <laughs> and when I would call them up, like, so we hadn't, let's say it's been like, eight months since we recorded or something. And I'd be like, Hey Dave, I need to get back in the studio. And he'd be like, what? Like, yeah, I I need you to do some solos on the record. And he was like, well, what do you mean solos? And I'd be like, I'll tell you when you get here. So Davis is like, like unbelievable guitar player. Really good. Way, way. Like I, cause I can't play like that. I can only, I can envision what I want, but I can't play that way. Mm -hmm. So Dave is in the studio. I'm sitting on the couch at the studio and a song would play and he would do a solo. I was like, that's pretty good, but I want like 20% more Warzone and like 15% more Megadeth. And he would be like, dude, these are just vague reference points. I like, I know what these, of course I know what these bands sound like, but when you say that it doesn't make any sense. I'm like, just do it. And he did it like, (laughs) so I don't know who's right or wrong in this. Like, was he right? Was I right? Like, and like, there was tension in the room. Like you could cut the tension. Cause I was like, no, 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 no. Like what we really need here is like, you know, in this one youth of today song, Porcel played this like passage and I want to capture that, but our version of it. And again, Dave would be like, that literally means nothing, but it meant something. Cause he did it. <laughs> he pulled it off. He's still, yeah. So like, I don't know if it was like kudos to me for like somehow properly explaining it despite like being vague or kudos to Dave for somehow being able to like decode the craziness that I was talking about. But if you think there's of- more from column B than column A, <laughs> but both columns contribute. Absolutely. If you listen to those solos though, and if I was to say this solo came from my thinking on these three bands, I promise you, you'd be like, Oh yeah, actually I can totally hear that. Well, I mean, Michael Ann has heard everything you've done mm-hmm. over the years 
and playing this in the car, this was uh, one of the rare times where where something this hardcore actually appeals to her. And she specifically, she, well, I mean, it's funny because she's sitting right here. I mean, you agree, right, Michael Ann? Yeah. Yeah, see? She, like, but no, sitting in the car, she, uh, I think she texted you, I love the, what did she say? I she love the heavy the, metal parts. I like the heavy metal parts. Like, <laughs> I like the heavy metal parts. And what I like and, about this is like, this record already sounds totally horrible to everybody. Totally, but, but that's the thing you have to understand. It's not, it's <laughs> really good. And like, but what's cool about it is it. Those things that you're talking about that you added with the soul, like you say guitar solo to me, I say, I don't want to fucking hear it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I do not like that stuff. There's a reason why I like punk and hardcore music that isn't noodly, right, you know, right. like, so guitar solo has always felt wrong to me. And you and I have had this argument before, totally. but what you've done on this record never bothers me. Awesome. It feels Thank like you. it fits. And it's that, it, it's like that magic hour. Like you just found that place where a guy like me is not bothered by it and someone like Michael Ann, it's the thing that makes her like it. So what an incredible middle ground. Totally. And like the thing I was shooting for here is I just wanted it to be a record that I would listen to like when I was growing up, but also I'd listen to now. And I, a telltale thing for me about how I feel about this record is I actually listen to it because I actually like the songs. It's not like other times where I've written a record and I never listen to it again. Like I actually dig this and it's, it's, it's fun to listen to like a chef enjoying your own food. Yeah, basically. But you know, the funny thing is like, I'm laughing as I'm recalling all this recording. Cause like, well, I remember being in the studio with, uh, when we were recording and I was like, okay, Alex, I want you to play that drum beat that you just did, but play it backwards. And he would be like, that doesn't make any musical sense. And I, you know, you press this little button to talk into the, into the room and press it and be like, just do it. And he would do it. Cause Alex is like this incredible drummer. And he's very, um, like a very patient, like kind guy. So like <laughs> these dudes are just humoring me and some things, cause I'm, I, I kind of like feel like I'm positioning myself as this like mad genius. Like half the things I said didn't work, but half of them did work. Was it the things you're describing also mixed with like Dirk Diggler in the studio at Boogie Nights? Yes. Just like- yes. I, that's exactly. I mean, there's no other place this reference could go. But were they that. feeling the heat? Absolutely. Uh, it was, man, it was cool. Uh, the dudes were great. And like, none of those dudes are going to play in the band live. So like we did the record together and I think like doing the record together was like a feat of strength. Like we got it done, like, Oh, and everyone just kind of puts down the weights and, and heads their different way. Like it's cool. Like we got the record done. I really appreciate those dudes. Um, but you are going are, to, you do have a band that's going to play live. Yeah. we got a band that's going to play live. Got some shows bucked. Um, so first the record, the band is called change. The record's called closer still. It's coming out on React in North America and Refuse in Europe. And then a U- Australian uh, label is doing like a tape version of it. Um, we've got our first show in Seattle coming up uh, next year. And then we have other plans that are being uh, set in stone. And, and by the way, I'm not like out here trying to like do a band. Next year, you mean early 2020? It, early 2020. I'm not out here like trying to do a band. You know, like, again, I'm in my 40s, like mid 40s now. I got a family, like all those things. But just like anything, I, I like to do stuff. I like to be involved in things, and I love writing records. So I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to do the appropriate amount of support for the record. And people are into it. Cool. If they're not, that's fine. Yeah, that all makes sense. I'm excited to see you play live. I'm nervous. I haven't done it in a long time. It'll be cool. I'll have an X on my hand. I like that part. Yeah, You know why? Too. The straight edge is awesome. Man, straight edge is super awesome. So the other day I was teaching a course out in Montreal and um, my client had found our last episode and was like, I listened to a podcast. And I thought he meant the Cadence podcast. He's like, it's called I've Known You Too Long. And I was like, oh, no, (laughs) what did I say on that podcast? And he's like, so you're straight edge. That was the first thing he said. And I was like, in those three hours, that's what he took away from it. I think we talked about it a lot. (laughs) Well, I mean, come on. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> so what, anything else you want to talk about or is that it? I think we're getting, we think we're getting down to it. Okay. So we've talked about, we've talked about instead, of course, mm-hmm. and the, uh, how incredible it is, this lifetime of musical influence that we've had, how that can come back and reward us and, and support us at various times in our life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I love that. Absolutely love that. Totally. Then we talked about your daughter you talked about your business and you talked about your band. Uh-huh. And that sounds like that takes up an awful lot of 
basically what has been your experience in the last few years. Totally. Um, what do you want to leave people with? Uh, I want to leave people with four distinct thoughts. Are you ready? Yeah. Uh, shout out to Ron Brotherhood. Um, yes. You, know, you have... Since Ron's passed, I think it's um, given a lot of people pause to think about the people in their lives. So, Ron, not only did you create great change when you were around, but uh, with your passing, I think you've continued to create change. So thank you for all you've done. Brought some people together. Mm -hmm. It was nice. Uh, Mended some fences. Yep. All of that good stuff. So uh, shout out to Ron um, for all you've done and all you continue to do. Still strengthening community even as he moves away from us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Second thing uh, I want to leave you with is go vegetarian or vegan. Uh, Don't sit on the sidelines. I know it's super inconvenient and it's kind of a pain in the ass and it's all of the things that we could say. Uh, It's literally one of the things you can do to actually really change the world. And we have all this immense power, human beings. One of the simplest things we can do is just give mercy to animals. Just give mercy to animals. And you can do that. And, you know, I'm not, I wasn't like always vegetarian. Like there was a period where I wasn't vegetarian for a long time and I came back to it and it's been a huge thing. So the second thing is like go vegetarian, go vegan. One of those things make a change. Third, uh, punk is still absolutely the coolest thing. I love punk. I love hardcore. And although I'm not as involved in it as I was, cause you know, my life has changed quite a bit. Um, it's the centerpiece of everything. Uh, without punk and hardcore, I wouldn't be the person I am today. I'm internally grateful for it. So punk and hardcore is great. Buy records, support bands, go out there. But the last thing is punk, just like anything else, is a social scene. And if we delude ourselves about that, we are inviting a lot of negative aspects. And one of the things I'd say is punk, just like anything else, has the whole social side but there really actually is very valuable messages in there, like hugely powerful, important, life-changing messages. How you learn them and apply them is up to you. And you can be someone who looks at punk and is just another social scene. There's nothing wrong with that. Do, do as you're going to do. But there's an opportunity to really sink your teeth into some super meaningful stuff and make a real change in your life and in the lives of other people. And I invite anyone here, move beyond what's on the surface And not just find out about these philosophies, but find out about how they apply to you. Well, that's a good way to go out. Listen to instead. (laughs) Thanks for doing this, brother. Thank you. All right, that's it. Last episode of the year getting ready to head into 2020. You know, I did not make any notes during the course of this episode uh, for corrections. So if you found anything that was a mistake in that episode, it's just going to have to stand as it is. Or maybe I'll just correct it next time with whatever I get going in uh, 2020 in terms of episodes of I've Known You Too Long. There will be something. I'm not sure. I don't have any more in the can. I've finally gotten through all of my back recordings and I've got plans you know, but I've also got work that has to be done. And unfortunately, that's taken precedence over a uh, serious and repeating regular podcast schedule. But I'm still here. I still like doing it. I still have all the stuff to get it done. So we'll do it as we can. Um, what else can I tell you? I hope 2020 turns out well. I really do. Um, yeah, I hope to publish another book. Have you read my book? Shadow Killer, you know, I usually have a link for it. There's a page about it on Nobody's Knows. I'd love it if you checked it out. That'd be super cool. Read it and leave me a review. Check out Cadence, One Step Beyond. We have a lot of fun with that one. We've got some really cool episodes coming up. Now, the thing with the Cadence podcast is it's about business issues. It's about leadership. Every episode might not be your cup of tea unless you're just interested in that sort of thing, you know, to begin with. But each episode has its own unique flavor even the ones that we recorded that weren't necessarily about a topic that i thought i was going to be interested in i got something out of listening to the conversation so for listeners of this show when we've got chris from cursed on there talking about you know emerging markets and he's talking about vegan magic his vegan bacon grease company 
Yeah, I mean, you can see how that would be interesting to the audience that listens to this podcast. Or I know there's an episode coming up right away where we recorded with Jonathan Anastas from DYS and Slapshot. And half of that conversation was just about old hardcore lore and talking about the Boston scene. And half of that podcast is about how those ideas and those things that he, you know, built up through that experience were applied to his professional life and how he's, you know, where he's gone with his life as an adult working in the corporate world. And it's interesting to see how these things come together. So do check those out. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. See you next time. This podcast is a product of the Nobody's Knows Podcast Network. Executive producers, David R. Larson and K. Drake Streetman. Music for this episode is provided by Polymorph from the album Artifacts, Demos and Debris. So I'm a snuffleupagus, but yeah. you were like this weird ghost of a dude. Yeah, who- I was definitely a big bird.